This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. I have a show on the 14th of December at Dynasty Typewriter. It is the last time that you can see me run my show separately here in LA. I don't know. Maybe I'll do it again someday, but I don't have any other plans to right now. So get your asses to Dynasty Typewriter. You can get tickets at CameronEsposito.com slash tour. Today on the show, we have a chat with astrologer Chani Nicholas, who has a new book coming out. On, I think she said January 6th on the podcast. It is called You Were Born for This, but it is available right now. I'm looking at it. You can get it at like Barnes and Noble or Target and pre order that shit today. So go get it. Enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on. Darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. I always have guests. I always. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Chani Nicholas. I am an astrologer and a writer who writes mostly astrological things. And, okay, so full, like, you know, I have no, this is not my area. Yeah. Not who cares. Yeah. It's just not my area. Like, how like my little sister is so into this. Um, she's a Scorpio and that seems to be really helpful for her to like investigate that part of herself because sometimes she's like the kind of person who's just very she's so sweet and then sometimes she is very mean and it's very it's it's a for a finite amount of time she calls out her Scorpio tail <laughs> and um maybe this is astrology or her Making excuses for herself. Sounds like being human. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I've never behaved that no? way. No? Oh, okay. No, I'm... Yeah. Are you... You think, <laughs> you think I'm sometimes mean in a focused way? I've never done that one time. Jordan? Matt? Can you back me up? Never even one time been mean. You guys live at my house, right? You're in the... Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it does sound like being human. Anyway, yeah. so um, I just say that because... You're going to have to maybe educate me as you talk about your work, where there might be a ton of queer folks that are, like, fully in there, you know, knowing all this stuff. I so apologize to those listeners. I'm not one of those guys. I'm like, I don't – but that doesn't mean I don't have interest. Yeah. So um, can you tell me a little bit about your interest in this field, like when that started? Yeah. So I was 12 years old the first time I got my first reading. And it was really the first time I felt like someone had interest in me and like took the time to know me or took the time to, to see me, I think, to witness me. And it was such a startling experience. It was very different than the majority of my experiences with adults that it really just like grabbed hold of me. And the way in which she spoke just felt so familiar to me. I don't know how it was the first time you remember seeing a comedian that really spoke to you. 
But I think when you engage with your life purpose as a young child, it's startling or there's something that is bright or energetic about it, or there's something that's captivating and we don't know why, but there's, we something's kind of come up against us and been like, this is something that will be an important part of your life. And so looking back on it, it felt like that, that astrologer wrote a book. I got that book and I've been studying since I was 12. Oh, wow. Um, where was this geographically? And also where was the reading done? Did she have like a space? She, um, she, this was in outside of Toronto, Canada. Um, and she just did it out of her home. She was, we were just, it was like me, my dad, my stepmom, stepbrother and sister. We were a newly formed family and my stepmom's mom had bought the reading for us. And wow. As like a, as like a. Let's do something together to get to know each other sort of thing. Yeah, she was a Reiki master and um, was really into the healing arts and alternative healing and and therapy. And she thought it would be, I think, a good thing for us to do. Can you also, can you talk about what Reiki is for anybody who does not know what it is? Yeah, Reiki is hands-on healing. So it is, originates in Japan. It's not that old. It's only like a hundred and some years old. Um, the lineage has some, has some, uh, stuff in it, but it's, uh, it came to America, uh, through, uh, a a Japanese person who lived in Hawaii, Takata Sensei in, I think in the sixties. And then her granddaughter Phyllis brought it kind of further into America. And my grandmother, my step-grandmother was initiated by her. Wow. So you actually also, I, I don't know when I thought I did not think that was the full extent of the answer that you were going to be able to give. Sorry. So no. Why I would go you be? like way deep. Yeah, that's I great. Really, I started studying with my with that woman Anita, my step grandmother, at fourteen, and I studied with her for like about fifteen years. So Reiki was my like baseline. So before this, was there? And I mean, this is a personal question. Yeah. Um, but did you have? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I'm coming from with it. When I was, um, 25, I was like in this huge bike accident where mm-hmm. I was, I was hit by a car. I went through the person's windshield. It was like a super big mess because, um, I was in pain for a long time. I went to see like a lot of Western doctors and nobody touched me yeah. until I went to, um, and I got like injections, the whole thing, like the whole like American yeah. medical system thing mm-hmm. that you hear about where I was just getting like. MRIs and injections and like x-rays and stuff and um on a bunch of different pills like nothing helped yeah and then eventually like somebody put hands on me that started the healing process I started doing yoga that you know Mm. accelerated the healing process so it was just for me growing up where I grew up Mm. like that was I really didn't have as much exposure um for myself to anything outside of like you know western capitalist thought even though my siblings are really um, in that space. I thought it wasn't for me. You know, mm-hmm. I have an older sister who's a modern dancer and a younger sister who's training to be a doula. So they're mm-hmm. very, like, body aware. And I mm-hmm. just thought, as a queer person, I was like, I don't know. I thought it was tutus because, like, that's what my older sister and I had gone to dance class together as kids. And I just thought, this isn't for me. And it was so nice to be able to, mm. you know, realize that it was for me and yeah. that there was a lot there um, anyway, that's all a long way of saying when you had this, you know, newly blended family, you're meeting this step grandmother, 
was this new information to you or did you like, would Reiki have been something you took in stride? Yeah, kind of. It didn't feel like I grew up in, I grew up in a very chaotic, really uh, counterculture environment in a tiny little town in British Columbia, Canada. And the whole town's like MO is to not have corporations in the town. Like we didn't grow up with any fast food restaurants. Like it was like hippie, white hippie, 70s, 80s, like culture. Sure. And then it went into the other things. But it was very, very, very much about doing things alternatively. So like I didn't grow up with regular houses or cars or what do you what do you mean regular houses or cars? That was that felt like a twist at the end. <laughs> well, like I grew up. What are non regular cars? I'm well, excited. <laughs> well, I grew up in a town where everyone there wasn't that most people we would we would say like you would quantify them as poor. Um, so folks didn't have money really. Like a lot of my houses didn't necessarily have like siding on the outside or mm. like I grew up with you know seeing what do you call it the insulation like a lot of they didn't have inside walls or outside (laughs) like there was a lot of just like makeshift stuff and you know cars didn't necessarily like they made of like rusted out in the bottom so you had to like patch things together like we I just grew up in a place where there was no formal anything outside of Vancouver, I don't really know British Columbia enough to know, like, how densely populated is this area that we're talking about? 10,000 people. I grew up in a tiny, tiny town. And but there, there was, like, lesbians and, like, misfits mm-hmm. and queer folks and everything. And nobody had to really adhere to any social roles or norms. It was kind of like, well, I think they thought it was a little utopia. Yeah, I where you could. It was like a counterculture utopia. So I grew up in just like whatever, right? <laughs> like Lord of the Flies, fun for yourself, kids. Was and there we're off. <laughs> other were there other towns close by, or was this like an insulated type of an area? It's a really good question. So British Columbia, by means of mountains, is very insulated, especially in the winter. And I grew up without the internet, right? So the nearest town, imagine this. The, no, sorry, the nearest town's like probably like half an hour away, half an hour, 45 minutes. But those are towns similar in size. So the nearest city is Spokane, Washington. Sure, sure. (laughs) And that's three hours away over a really big mountain pass in the winter. Vancouver is eight hours away and Calgary is eight hours away. So I grew up incredibly isolated. However, my mom is from New York City. So we used to go to New York all the time. So I was like this really weird mix <laughs> of like yeah, sure. super New York Jew. Like that side of my family couldn't be more from uh, uh, Neil Simon play if you tried. And then like my dad who had grown up in this town with like 13 brothers and sisters and wow. had to drop out at 13 to like take care of the family and like living up dirt roads and like hunting squirrels sometimes for dinner. Wow. (laughs) So I grew up in that cross section. Um, And so I would go to New York and get like, so back in the day I would get, I come back with like neon socks and everyone would be like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Like no one has seen neon before. And they were like, that is ugly and amazing. (laughs) I don't even understand what it is. So I had a lot of those different worlds uh, going on. Wow, that's, that is. (laughs) And that was before, like, you know, before the internet, you just didn't know all the stuff. Like, sure. We really were 
just whatever was local was what we knew. Well, that that's actually, actually exactly what I was going to ask before you talked about going to New York so much is like, honestly, that almost sounds as if you wouldn't be aware there are other people in the world. And I don't yeah. mean like, yeah. but I don't mean like uh, by learning, yeah. but I just mean by experience. Yeah. Like you're just like, this is these 10,000 people. <laughs> that's the world. You know, like that's, oh God, help us. you know, that's an yeah. interesting, um, but actually we all kind of grow up that way. I mean, yeah, it you really up, matter where you yeah. live. Even if you yeah. live in the city, yeah. your neighborhood is, yeah. you know, we still live that way. Like, yeah. I feel like, but I like the like, Sears catalog was a really big deal. That is that. Do you know yes. what I'm saying? Sure. You're like, oh my God, fashion. <laughs> <laughs> so you started studying uh, astrology Reiki, but what was happening in the rest of your life? Like, did you go to a traditional school? Yeah, I did actually. Oddly enough, <laughs> yeah, I went to I went to regular school system, and um, I tr I started moving back and forth between Toronto and Nelson. My dad moved to N Toronto when I was eleven, so I, mm. I would go back and forth a little bit, and then moved to Toronto when I was like seventeen, I think, for good, and then I was out. I really like Toronto. Yeah, it's a great city. It is so a great it's hard. City. It was hard for me to live in it, but it's a really great city. Why was it hard for you to live in it? And you know those cities. I don't know how many you've lived in, but the cities where you just never really feel like you find your people. Mm, sure. You know, and it's so that you like this is a great city, but I'm just not like in it. So that's mm -hmm. how it felt for me. But it was really it was where I did really a lot of my healing. So it was very much about Reiki and astrology and gathering all of the kind of foundational aspects that I would later use in my life. When you say healing, do you mean as a healer or do you mean being healed? I mean, as like a really fucked up kid needing a lot of healing and finding it as a teenager and just becoming obsessed with it in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, is it okay if we talk a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah. What, what was going on that, that you needed uh, some healing from? Yeah. I Well, I just grew up in a really, I th you know, my childhood was just hell. It was just a really hard um, time in my life. And I just didn't have adults around me that could uh, keep me safe. I had a lot of adults that put me in a lot of harm's way. And there was a ton of addiction. Um, so I just grew up in a sea of addiction. And the, the aftermath of it. So it really gave me this very distinct interest in how else do people live? <laughs> sure. This can't be the only way to be an adult. There's got to be something else out there. And so when my dad married his third wife, um, her mom was a Reiki master, like I said. And when I met her, I just felt like a lightning bolt of of awakening of like, wow, this, I literally heard a voice that was like, follow her. She knows how to, she knows how to get through this. She knows how to heal. And she did. She saved my life. Like she taught me everything. Um, so yeah. So it was just, uh, you know, I think a lot of us have, whether we have like a stable childhood or not, you know, we are all coping with some big thing in life. Uh, most people, as far as I can see, are healing. I just had a little bit more, I think, maybe not more, but I had a very concentrated experience of trauma and devastation and loss and early in life. And then I was just like, I got to make a different life for myself. Yeah. I mean, 
That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, I know the thing about um, chaos or catacombs as they um, are related to any ism is that I think it becomes really important. This is my experience in being tangential to um, addiction and other isms in my life is that it has become important to me to figure out how I feel like sort of baseline unsafe all the time mm -hmm. is something that I realize about myself. Yeah. And I think some of that is that early, you know, yeah. um, chaotic exposure. I think some of it is also later in life yeah. chaotic exposure. Yeah. And then also just, you know, as a woman, yeah. I, f I fucking am small. Yeah. And I feel unsafe in the world. And mm -hmm. so I really have, um, you know, chosen for myself career-wise something that makes me feel powerful. Yeah. That is not at all lost on me. Like, yeah. I did that before I realized that that was yeah. true. Yeah. But then now I can look at it and be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of actually, I look at my younger self making this choice and I'm like, Jesus, I don't know how you figured this out. But congratulations to you. Like, I get that you really needed that, you yeah. know? Like, I get that I really needed that, yeah. that I really needed to feel... Um, you know, yeah, like everybody else was listening to me. Yeah. Like the safety of just eyeballs on you. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing's, mm -hmm. not that nothing's going to happen. God, I have the because opposite. I have, oh, tell me. That what feels do you mean? so unsafe to me. Oh, being, un well, yeah, Having, we don't have all the same thing that yeah, makes yeah, us yeah. feel unsafe, but when you find that yeah, thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, it feels unsafe to you to be looked at in that way. Like, yeah, to be like that. I don't, that's, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. But I think that it's amazing to look back at the synchronicities and just that there is an essential self that knows that's always mm -hmm. guiding us and that there's these little clues in life. Like when I met that astrologer, when I, you know, met my step grandmother, it was like my, my higher self or essential self or others, you know, my kind of bigger self knew and was like, there was enough energy there to kind of hold my attention to like get me to the next step. And I think that that's always happening but it is beautiful to look back when we're so young and like fledgling. Yeah. Like how did that, how did I not fall off the cliffs? I all know. Of them? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It really is. When, so if the sort of, cause that feels like so comfortable to me to be seen by, you know, yeah. Um, like 40,000 people is not stressful. Yeah. The same way that um, a, a party like yeah. a di like a disorganized party <laughs> like I also do really well one-on-one -on -one or like I love a dinner party but it's like a disorganized party where I don't know what to do what are the where what are the no goals here of the party can someone make a list of goals <laughs> you know um yeah social anxiety is fun yeah like yeah. that is really tough for me yeah. um and anyway what is it that makes what are the things that make you feel safe then God, that's such a good question. And I think I get so personally tripped up by that all the time. I think I I think the only way for me to save myself from being an asshole in a lot of different ways is to remember to ask myself if I feel unsafe. Cause I think that what you said is true, probably for a lot of people, we run at a baseline of not feeling safe or seen or understood or cared for or tended to, whatever the thing is. 
And becoming just conscious of that is, I think, like, at least more than half of the work. And then if I can know it, then I can intervene and be like, oh, what do you, what do I need in order to feel safer in this moment? Or can I tell somebody that I'm close to that I'm not feeling safe just as a way to kind of break the spell and not be in isolation with it? I was just over um, the holiday with my uh, cousins and uh, they're both therapists. They're married. Uh, well, my one cousin is married to a woman who, and they're both therapists. And uh, they, she was so good with her child has a lot of um, sensory stuff. Like she can't, she gets really overwhelmed. This little girl, uh, she's like five. And the, the parent was just the whole time helping her to regulate. And she was teaching me all the ways that she would help her child regulate. And, and then she would like do some of them to me, like some of it's like actual mm. sensory stuff on the skin. And the whole concept of knowing when I'm dysregulated really struck me as so important because there are so many moments where I'm dysregulated, I think a lot of us, and I don't know that I am. And then I start acting oddly and I'm like, why am I acting like this? I don't know what I feel. And it's not even, I can't even get to the place where I know that I'm freaked out. Yeah. And then I, and then there's a, some kind of problem happens and then, you know, all the other behaviors go on. And so I think if it's just like getting to know when I need to help myself regulate. And I just did it last night. I was in this situation. I got totally dysregulated. I didn't catch it in time. And it ended up saying something I felt really shitty for. So then this morning I had to like text the person and be like, I I said that and I shouldn't have, and I'm really sorry. And so it's just, I'm always trying to like figure out how do I slow down enough to catch myself so that I can help myself and not cause further chaos. Yeah. You know, for the subject that you're talking about, I have turned to looking for clues. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have like clues. Here's a clue that I have is I have like this really messed up right shoulder mm-hmm. that if I'm getting stressed out, stressed out, it like, it like tries to, honestly, I think it's trying to suck my head into my body. Like it's just trying to protect me. Like I'm a turtle. It goes up so high and it hurts. Like I can feel like a pain yeah. there. And so I have it like, you know, treated. I, I, yeah. I, I work on it. Um, but also it's just an interesting thing to realize like, Oh, when this like one specific pain, because it's different yeah. than like just random pains yeah. or like I have an injury. It's like a it's your trigger thing point. that's a it's trigger point. And it's mm-hmm. also like a an emotional injury. Um, and anyway, mm. so I try to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, because then I'm like, oh, something is wrong, <laughs> especially it's like your shoulders, which yeah. is not just, you know, think about like your ears, you know, like sinking your ears in to kind of protect yourself mm. in a vulnerable way, but also like, cause you're just like carrying so much, yeah. like the postural significance is yeah. brilliant. Congratulations, yeah. Cami, on having just like a very, <laughs> um, transparent body, you know, um, <laughs> profound but, wound. Yes. But yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. But also just like a, an on the nose. What a great wound you have. Well, it's a very, you know, that's what I'm saying. Poetic. It's very, it's poetic, straightforward. Yeah. That's what I mean. You don't have to go, instructional. what are the, yeah. thing, you know, it's my middle yeah. small toe. It's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> but this is like, oh, yeah. she takes so much on, yeah. you know, like she feels unsafe. Like that's like, it's just so clear. Um, So when you, for yourself, you're talking about this situation last night. Do you look for any clues and things that you're 
Yeah, and they're all there. And sometimes I just like do you. What are some of them? Blindly pass them. For I you. think I, you know, my anxiety sh- shows up in my stomach. It's that feeling of just like tension in the body. I get headaches a lot. I have like I have like hormonal migraines and different types of migraines, but a certain type of migraine, you know, headache migraine situation. Jordan has brought me ice water because she can't turn down the heat in the studio because there's a studio tied to this. So she's just handing me ice water. I love you, Jordan. No, this is actually, she's the best. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Um, Okay. So first of all, these were great conversations that I haven't talked to anybody else on the podcast. We could talk about feelings and feelings in the body all day. Yeah, I mean, well, specifically for 60 minutes, but then we can say, kill it, Jordan, and you and I can keep going. Um, but I wanted to get back to, um, you know, you're in Toronto, that part of your path, mm. you're finding yourself, you're healing, mm. Mm. and then talk to me about what happened next. Uh, well, then I, you know, my mom was, uh, she had landed immigrancy status in Canada, so she never gave up her American citizenship, so... I am both, I have both citizenships. So I came to LA to be a neurosurgeon. Really? Just kidding. I was acting at the time. (laughs) But wait, (laughs) I really believe that. What's wrong with me? That was what I like to tell people. Um, So yeah, I did that thing. Like I jumped on a plane with $1,200. I'd never been to LA before. I had no car, no idea. A week before I came, I got a place to stay with a person who was an airline uh, attendant for a Saudi Arabian prince who was going away for like two to three months stints at a time and just gotten a couple of cats and needed someone to cat sit. So I was like, I'm here. Sounds like every housing situation. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I don't know a single person who doesn't live exactly like that. She had very long, she picked me up at the airport with very long nails and just talked the whole time about the boob job she had just gotten, which was great. And then the, literally the next day, flew off, laughing with her cats and her Jeep and her whole house in boxes. And so I unpacked, and here we are. Wow. Wow. Okay. It was really hard to get a job in L.A. when I first got here. I was like, where's the street with the restaurants? <laughs> Where can I yeah. like hand out my resume? What were you trying to get? A, what were you I was just trying to get, get like a, like, a wait waitering job yeah. you know it's just to pay the bills I had like I think within the first like three months of living here I had five jobs and a very old Toyota that I bought for $900 <laughs> wow <laughs> and the the bumper was always falling off how's that thing doing these days <laughs> doing fine still driving it I think it's probably having another life somewhere. yeah that yeah. seems true yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean I I moved here you know, I had a little bit of a different story because I moved here after I had already, like, I think there's a lot of people that come out here and like, this is where they start, you yeah. know, in acting or in comedy. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, so they're doing all the, these like, you know, side gigs. Mm-hmm. And um, I moved here when I was already working career, professionally. Yeah. Um, and so I like didn't have this phase. It doesn't yeah. mean I didn't have, I was like a nanny part time yeah. for a couple years. Yeah. Um, but I did kind of miss out on this experience and the like. Oh, you which, missed out. Which does feel like well, it's like I. A, it's I, like okay. A, so the, my first waitering job here, I was I was serving at this restaurant called Cafe Bizou 
in in Sherman Oaks. Sure. And it had been there for like 40 years. It just closed down apparently. But it was like the old school, like French bistro style. And everyone had to wear like very fancy. And like, it was also kind of like old and broken down in this weird. And all of these, you know, peep folks that lived in Sherman Oaks would come. And my Canadian brain that again, this is like, you know, 15 or 12 years ago, I would talk to people and I wouldn't understand what they were saying. Like, I was like, you're, we're speaking the same language, but there's something about the way you're expressing yourself that literally makes no sense to me. And for like six months, I was like, what is wrong with me? Why can't, it was just so odd. And then finally the penny dropped. And I was like, everyone has had so much plastic surgery that they can't move their face. Oh my God. So they're mad at me, but their face isn't moving. And I don't understand, like my brain couldn't comprehend because I hadn't seen that before. Now we're really used to it because like everybody has it and like, you know, on movies and stuff. But for some reason, I guess in person, I don't know. I just was like, why can't you? That is really interesting. That is funny. That was one of my intros. Yeah. Word. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we're used to it. I mean, I don't know. Um, like now I know what it looks like. I know what Botox yeah, yeah, looks yeah. like. I know what fillers look like. My right. brain goes, okay, that's just that's Botox. That's what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> and no shade. Like I, you know, yeah. do it's your body. I want everyone sure. to be happy I'm in it. I'm just laughing at, I but, wish people could have seen your small hand gesture <laughs> that you did. That was, it felt like a, okay. <laughs> looked like a zeroing in. Because yeah. if you're a person that's trying to read people all the time, yeah. you know, if you're really interested in what people are saying, then you're. You're trying to take them in, mm. but it's not all happening. Yeah. Maria Bamford has some really interesting material about how, like, specifically strange plastic surgery is in my field because um, oh. it's, like, the Comics. whole thing yeah. is that you have to be yeah. expressive, like, yeah. minutely expressive. Yeah. Um, and then it's just, like, very strange to— Yeah. But, like, aging is hard. Aging is hard. Aging is hard. Being a human is hard, like, however you can get through— Oh, yeah. You know. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I more so mean it's like, you know, if I think about something like that for myself, because, it, you know, you live out here for a while after, it yeah. becomes tempting, you know. like well, it's because it's normal, too. It's normalized. Yeah. It's around you. Like, yeah. starts, so I, you know, it's I just think about it and it's like, but would I be able to do my job? And it's yeah. such a strange. Did you ever, like, when I was younger, I was had so much... Uh, whatever you want to call it, ego or whatever. That I was like, I would never even want to do that. I mean, and then like, as I get older, I'm like, oh, I see yeah, I why get you. It. Yeah, you're I like, also, you just, I feel myself like holding up my forehead a lot. I'm like, oh, that feels like a relief. <laughs> so no, everything's kind I, of falling. I totally know what you mean. Also, like I had a bunch of uh, non-elective surgeries as a kid for uh, a bunch of different reasons. Yeah. And I think that that's the other thing is I was like, I will right. never yeah. do that yeah. For a reason yeah. that is... Um, well, you've had a lot of body stuff. I have had a lot of body stuff, yeah. Sewed me back together multiple times. Aww. Yeah, I have had a lot of body stuff. Um, okay. I want to get to... I'm not sure how to like seamlessly segue into this, but I know that your team asked... So we're in LA. You're still working as an actor, and then oh, you, back then, like I never it, worked. I, I or never you're got, still like, trying to be an actor. And I was like work. doing the classes, yeah, and doing yeah, the things, yes. and I felt like I really got to like live out this very important 
part of my creative energy, which was to be part of like an actory gang Mm -hmm. and like do all that stuff. But it never went anywhere. And again, it was a different time. You know, people, there wasn't like web series and stuff back then, or it was just the very beginning of it, but it was like harder to get equipment. Anyways, when I met people like, like Jen and Laura, like, common friends we've got that uh I was like oh my god you guys did what I wanted to do but I felt like I never had access to it and I it's so amazing to see how people are able to take we're we're all able to take our creative energy and really like put it into the world in a way that just formally wasn't available right um so I I never got to like fully realize any of that but uh, I did it, and I it was always my promise to myself that I was like, if I become a bitter actress, I'm out. Like, I'm just going to peace out. So I, I became bitter, and then I was like, okay, I got to go. <laughs> so <laughs> the audition process was so awful. As you started moving into taking astrology more seriously as a job, I don't even know what you I what didn't. Do you call I never it? wanted to be an astrologer. I fought it the whole way. Astrologer. Yeah. I was going to say, ist. Please don't. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you um, for the help. Thank, thank you. you for the help. <laughs> yeah, it was always something that I did. Like, I gave readings to people all the time, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do for a job. Again, my career as it is now wasn't available back then because the internets and all of that, it just wasn't, there wasn't. So, um, meaning that like, um, because a lot of some, like no one had blog. I mean, people were just starting to have blogs back then, but you know what I mean? Like also I think. And websites were like, whoa, you got a website. No, I know. (laughs) I was also. What kind of professional are you? I'm going to say like about in terms of even just how that's like changed clientele and stuff mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I think that when it was something where you had to like go to a house and there's like a little like yeah you know sign outside yeah. or whatever I feel like that was very much for like a certain type of person versus if it's a bunch of stuff that you can interact with on the internet that just changes yeah. you, like huge you're not no you're not like who's seeing me walk in here you know yeah. it just is like a different thing yeah and I think that that helped move it to where it is now, which is like, I think very kind of out of the counterculture and like pretty, pretty in culture. Like What, astrology? Yes. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah, that's what capitalism likes to do. Yes. It likes to take anything popular and (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I mean, capitalism, but that's, I mean, specifically also the internet, just in terms of like the accessibility thing being different. Oh, totally. Yeah. The internet's changed. Yes. The accessibility to this. And I mean, Me Too couldn't have happened without the internet in the same way. I mean, it's like all of the big movements of our time. we've, We've changed the way in which we are together in the world because of that. Right. And astrology's in one way benefited from that. Yeah. I mean, I think about it like, again, I know this is also capitalism, but I think about it like maybe a little less. I think about it more just in terms of, you know, it being normalized or whatever. Like I think about, I get, you know, screenshots like texted to me by friends. That's not something that if you were, if the internet didn't exist, I'm not getting like somebody's reading or like somebody's, Day. What is it even called? I literally I don't, don't even know. know what it's called. People are texting me. They're like, this is my thing. And you're like, why are you texting me this? I'm, I'm like, I, <laughs> I got my own don't things. even know the words, <laughs> but I thank you. <laughs> um, like their horoscope for the day? Is that yeah, what people text or you? yours or something. I think that's a thing. People do that. I think that's a thing. They, they're like, here's my horoscope for the day. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh my God, we had this conversation and look what my horoscope says. Yeah, like yeah. that thing. Yes. We, we love confirmation. Yes, totally. That's exactly what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. So that just feels like more social than it used to be, maybe. Yes. In 
Yeah. This is my perception. And it's weird because then, like, your smart TV is listening to you and your computer's (laughs) listening to you and your phone's listening to you. So that, like, confirmation bias gets, like, really wonky in this day and age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Like, your intuition is like, no, they're just literally spying on you. Talk to me about that specifically. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know that we've actually discussed. So like, talk to me about what you actually do today. Oh, like, uh, so I am, uh, so I write horoscopes for people. I, I, what my main thing is that I teach people how to use astrology because I'm less interested in telling you who you are. I'm not interested in telling you who you are at all, really, but I'm more, I'm really interested in being like, these are the tools this is, this is a table. This is what you can do with a table. You can eat off it. You can gather around it. You can do this. And your chart is the same way. It's just a set of tools. And I'd rather give you the tools and have you discover it and it be like, oh, my God, that's so true because the system itself works, not because I'm magical, if that makes any sense. So, I mean, sure, that's a new – this is a new take. <laughs> I, I assumed you were magical. <laughs> um, so – Okay. Or, or any astrologer is, you know, it's yeah. like we're, we're working with a system and the system actually is really intelligent and you can use it in different ways and I can teach you a couple of things and you might be able to get a lot from it. And if it speaks to you, great. If it doesn't speak to you, then please go find the healing modality that does and go forth and prosper with it. I just want people to have access to what they find healing. I think that we all need a lot of it. And I think that whatever access each one of us can kind of create is really important. So what does your, like, work day look like? Chaos. (laughs) Terror and chaos (laughs) and exhaustion. No, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And there's a lot of writing. There's a lot of recording. There's a lot of meetings. There's interviews. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of uh, managing people and all the things. I'm I'm planning a book tour right now. So I have a book coming out January 7th. It's called You Were Born for This, The Astrology of Radical Self-Acceptance. And I'm going on book tour and I'm going to be interviewing people in the cities that I'm in that have made an impact uh, either through their art or their activism um, in that city. And we're going to look at their art and activism through the lens of their chart. Cool. And how it's kind of played out. Wow. Um, I don't know if this actually even happened because I didn't ask you before we were on these microphones. Yeah. But I was supposed to give you my birthday and all this stuff. Did yeah, you but get we that don't, thing? Yeah, I do. But I we don't, don't know anything about it. We don't know your exact time. Yes. No one knows my exact time, including my mother. It's not written down anywhere. I think it's on my birth certificate. I did not feel that I could ask my mother to look for that at this exact moment in her life. Um, She gave me a range. I don't know if does that mean you cannot even do it if there's not a range? No, no, you can, but uh, because the top of the range, it could be a different rising sign. It would shift your whole chart. If you were born a couple of minutes before six o'clock, you would have a, so I had the range of six or seven o'clock. I had whatever the hour Mm -hmm. was. If you were born like 10 minutes before that, it would be a whole different thing. So you'd still have a lot of the same setups, but I don't have the specifics. Um, Do most people that you speak to know the exact time of their birth? Well, it is on a lot of people's birth certificates. It is, astrology is an unfair setup because a lot of people don't know their time of birth. 
um, either because they were born at home or some some outside of a hospital situation or the hospital didn't record it. Folks that are adopted often don't have it. Um, so it's not accessible in that way for a lot of people. Well, can we work with what I have and talk about it? Yeah, hold on. Let me see. Okay. So, yeah, so I have you at beginning at 6 a.m. But if you were born in the fives, then it would give you a different thing. We don't want to text mom and be like, is there any possibility it could be 5.45 a.m.? Um, I do. It's okay. I feel like yeah, yeah. my mom has... It's okay. I love you. I love you very much, Mom. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say she doesn't have She's to do busy. this one. Yeah, she doesn't have to do this one. But I, it's not that I don't want to know. Yeah, it's just that. Okay, so I don't have as much specific info. Okay, but I could say that this this feels definitely like it could be your chart. So you have a tremendous amount of planets in Libra. Sure. So Libra is a sign. So the style with which you would move into the world would be like, hey, we're friends. You are going to like me. <laughs> it's okay if you don't, but I promise you probably at some point you're going to have a little bit of affection for me. <laughs> Libra wants to create relationships. And so it's not that you like any everybody or that everybody likes you, but there's a feeling of wanting to be likable, wanting to be nice. There's an affect of being nice or being easy to get along with or being somebody who is, you know, has a charm and has an ease to them in some way so that there's there's a lot of a lot of emphasis on communication. But when we look at the planets that are involved, you have this really interesting setup where you have your sun, so that's your essential self and your identity right next to the planet that is about having a tremendous amount of energy in terms of wanting to expand and be big. And so there's this need right away in the chart to take up space. So it's interesting that you were saying that you felt safe when you're in front of 40,000 people because it speaks a lot to, to needing to do that. Um, there's also another planet really nearby that is, that is a lot harder to kind of handle. You've got a lot of like uh, planets together. So it feels like there's a lot of different things that need to come through you. And so there's one that feels kind of like stern and orderly and needs to know where the structure of things are. There's one that's like, I gotta be me, like shine and take up space. And then there's one that's really um, about depth and power and also going through possibly a lot of like harrowing circumstances where one might have to also transform their identity a lot and go through like cathartic uh, personal transformations. If this is the time of your birth, that's all your whole, so much of your chart is focused on you, you, your personality, your way of being in the world so that it all kind of relies on you and you being able to work with Cameron, if that makes sense. What is the, di like, what would a different thing, So, like, what would other charts rely on? I don't even know so, enough to know. Uh, so other charts would, would rely on relationships or work or family mm. or, um, like, their work with children or work in community. And if, again, we don't know if this is your time of birth, but if it is, then it's really, like, it's so important for this chart, whether it's yours or not, 
to develop a sense of self and to be able to use the vehicle of self to demonstrate one's creative power and potency in the world. And again, if this is your time of birth, then it would also put the emphasis in the direction of your life on communication and delivering a message in a way that felt inspiring and optimistic a little bit or have like a kind of uh, flair to it that could make people could kind of lift people up. There's a, a feeling of wanting to inspire um, and also connect with through communication. Hmm. Well, that, I don't get how that relates to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't communicate a lot. I know. It's weird. We've never done that one time. I know. Um, and then, you know. What else? You're, well, because so then you have a moon which is how you live out your daily life. And it, it tells us about your body. And so there's the whole story about the body stuff that we've talked about. Um, but the moon, in, you have the moon in Gemini and Gemini is a sign of communication and chattiness. And so what I would say is that there's just a ton in the chart that has to do with relating to people, communicating with them, delivering your message and wanting to go really far and wide and learn how your personal power can be put into practice in this life, in this world, for you specifically, through the vehicle of your personality. Huh. Okay. I mean, so what, so what is one supposed to do with this information? Live your life. I don't. I don't know. Do what yeah, you want but with like, it. what when you talk to people, when you like advise them or give them information, um, what is like the next step? Is it like usually folks go deeper? Is it that they ask you questions? Yeah, like, yeah. We'll talk. Like, I like. There's one of the things I could say is that knowing a little bit of your work, that you did the. What was it called? The rape? Rape jokes. Rape jokes. Thank you. Yeah. So that I, I would I would pick that out as one of the kind of moments of your career. Could we say that? Sure. It's not like maybe not the peak of it. Maybe it's not the most important thing, but it's a little bit of an ebb, right? We could be like, oh, well, this, this, this artist did this thing. Totally. Does it show up in the chart? Well, that and your experience is very related to this one setup that I was talking about where you've got the Pluto, planet Pluto next to your sun. And um, Pluto's myth is that Persephone gets called into the underworld and she's she's Demeter's daughter. Do you know this? Do you remember? I mean, I do not remember this Greek at all. Okay. I do remember that so, this, I know these words okay. have happened so the mythology in my brain is, yeah. at some point. The mythology is uh, Ceres is the goddess of the grain and the, and the earth. She's the earth mother. And her daughter is Persephone. And her daughter is a innocent, lovely, beautiful young woman who's got not a care in the world. And she's just off in the fields plucking flowers. And she plucks a narcissist flower and the ground opens up and she's stolen by Pluto, by Hades, by the god of the underworld. And she's taken. And there's a lot of different iterations of the story. But one of the iterations is she's taken and she's raped and she's made queen of the underworld because it's patriarchy and it's really fucked up. And that's how they roll. They like to make <clears throat> all those correlations. So that myth is intertwined in your identity. 
in a way. So it's not that that it's not that that it's not that that has to happen in any particular way, but the fact that that is a part of your story and it's something that you've used in your work and your life speaks directly to this imprint here. Huh. Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, that's very specific. It is. You can get very specific. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. That is very specific. Okay. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that everyone with Sun Pluto, which is what you have, has that experience. But there is a quality of having an underworld experience being dragged into hmm. an underworld journey that is harrowing and it changes you. And when she goes down into the underworld, she's no longer Persephone. She has another name. She's called Kor. And when she goes missing, her mother is so grief-stricken that she wails and wails and wails. And she's like, where is my daughter? Where is my daughter? Where is my daughter? She can't find her. And so she says, none of you will eat until she returns. And so it's really the mythology of, of the seasons because the, the goddess of the grain says no more. Until my daughter's returned, the, the earth will be barren. And she, there's a whole thing, and she goes on this whole, her whole journey of self-discovery. And then, she's, then she figures out where her daughter is. She strikes a deal with the gods, and her daughter returns. And when her daughter returns, she rejoices, and spring comes back. And so it really is this, the journey of the mysteries of life, of what goes underneath, what goes dormant, what comes back, the cycles of life and death. Uh, but in that myth intertwined in it is this story of this young, innocent, Puer-esque kind of character who gets stolen and gets initiated in really harrowing ways into some of the different aspects of life. And she's changed by it. And then she becomes, she kind of comes into her power because of it. I have no idea what astrology is even based in, I'm realizing. Like, I didn't, I feel surprised well, that you question. are telling me myths. Like, yeah. I just didn't know oh, that okay. was it. I don't know why. Because the internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so what is it based in? Like, well, it's a great question. So this kind of astrology is based in the, it's what I'm, I'm saying, I'm telling you Greco-Roman myths, which are later iterations of earlier myths from, say, Mesopotamia. Mesopotamian culture, then we've got Egyptian culture, and then we've got the Hellenistic era that comes in. And that's when astrology really starts to take shape in this kind of way. And then the, the um, cultural confluences that happened in the Hellenistic era were great because there was, there was folks that spoke Arabic and Hebrew and ancient Greek and Egyptian. Like there was all these different things that came together. People were conquering other people. There was a lot of mixing. There was trade with India and China. And so we are trading stories and myths of gods and goddesses. And we know that when somebody comes along and tries to conquer another nation, at least back then, they would subsume a lot of the myths of those people sure. to kind of placate, and then right. they would become intertwined with them. So I'm, I'm telling myths that are in an, er, a later iteration of much earlier tales, really is the tale. There's also a tale of Inanna, of Venus, of the goddess, who's, there's a lot of underworld, underground myths. And so then you take, because this makes me curious <laughs> yeah. about how one would even write a horoscope. Oh, well, horoscopes are a whole different thing. This is your personal chart. Right. But so, so like, what are you like, looking at to grab that information? I'm looking at the from. planets in the sky as they are now and making a, like an estimated guess at how it might land for most people. But it's a, a very general thing. Star sign. For, for a sign, yeah. Yeah. 
But this is the moment you took your first breath. This is, or we're hoping, this is the imprint of you specifically hmm. because of the place that you were in and the time and the day and the da-da. But this is, you know, that's, that's an ambitious setup. It is? Yes. I don't know anything about what you're talking about. <laughs> well, you don't have to know what I'm, t- I, well, it is what it is. It's, this is the chart of somebody who's got a lot of ambition. Hmm. Like you, I, would, I, I wouldn't want you, you know, in a situation where you felt like you didn't have any kind of agency to, to utilize your own creative energy and put it into the world and watch it take shape and follow it and do what it does and be a big personality. So you don't want that chart to exist for somebody who has, like, chosen to be well, say a stay-at-home mom. Say at home, <laughs> yeah. Say if you were born in a different time. Yeah. Then this stay-at-home mom would probably be running a lot of <laughs> card games <laughs> at their house. <laughs> Maybe the PTA. Cool. Like, they need some sort of power. Cool. Like, power is a part of the thing. Like if power has been stolen from you or taken from you, then part of the journey, that underworld journey is learning how to piece it back and what that means for you, what that means in your life and how you're using your power, I would think is a big theme for you. Wow. That's really interesting. When you, when you live your own life with your, I mean, you've done this for yourself, I'm sure. And had other (laughs) people and have other people, I'm sure other people yes. have also done it for you. Yeah, and so I get astrology readings regularly by other astrologers. And so when you, what do you, what do, you do with that experience? I know you're talking about it as a set of tools, but I just mean, is it to like sit with your experiences and think about yourself? Like I, I think you know, what are you? How are you using your Personally? own readings? Yeah, in your life. Yeah, I just for me and for I think for people that are into this kind of work, it's like. It's seeing how the archetypes are embodied through our work, through our personality, through the experiences we're having. Like I can track my entire career through the trans- through my astrology and through what's happening for me. And it's nothing I'm in control of. I'm in relationship with it. But watching it all unfold, is it's weird because it's so exactly it and I don't really know what's it, what it's going to be like but I see it coming and then, it, and then it lands and I'm like oh my god that's so the thing wait this is exactly what I was going to ask okay because you because you must have an ability to look like forward you know and make and just see what's yeah. coming down the line yeah just but based humans, on these same things yeah but humans love to think they know what's going on so I try not to have too much hubris in the way of which I'd be like oh that's going to happen so then I know what's going to go on I'm always like oh that's coming down that's that's on the calendar, so I wonder how that's going to play out. But I know to look in that area of my life to see, to watch for a certain type of event to occur, and I'd be like, oh, that's the thing. So that thing that happened last night, there's a really difficult situation happening in my place of relationships and I was like huh I don't think it'll be anything and then (laughs) and then that thing happened last night I was like oh god that's what it is I'm learning a really I get to learn a really tough lesson because I need to and the astrology is just kind of aligning with it so I can be like that's confirmation in a way wow this is um unbelievably interesting (laughs) is it are you just like no it really is I mean I think it's like it's like when you're when you're doing a play And you know how when you're doing a play or a movie or maybe when you're working on a piece for your comedy that you start to, like the art starts to imitate the life 
or the life starts totally. to imitate the art. And you're like, oh my God, I'm living out this archetypal thing. That's what we see in the chart. Yeah. And also, I mean, I come from like a super religious background and, right. you know, whenever I... Christianity was not good for astrology. Yes. Right. But they're both systems where human beings are trying to organize, mm -hmm. you know, thoughts and... and um, yeah. Hold life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, mo you know, move a bunch of pieces around on a board and be like, is this it? You yeah. know, and so I actually... Yeah. Um, you know, I, th I think that my my background being raised so religious always makes me like more open mm. to other systems of thought because yeah. because it broke down for me, and so I could really see the pieces of it, uh -huh. and I could see not in a bad way. I could yeah. see that like, okay, well, some people took some good ideas mm -hmm. and they infused a bunch of like colonialism and mm -hmm. um, money, yeah, and they made those ideas pretty terrible. But the, <laughs> some of the ideas are okay, like yeah. you know, once love. We, as long as we don't, yeah, love, love is, is cool. Love is okay. We've all that feels like <laughs> generally a thing we can agree upon, you yeah. know. So it's, um, yeah, it's more so just that the experience I'm having is when I often find myself realizing that things are much bigger than I knew that they were. I mm. just like, mm -hmm. I don't know, for a brief period of time, I was in the circus. Yeah. Go with me on this. Yeah. And then it was like, we would travel and yeah. perform. And I would notice that there, there were people that performed in the circus in every town, yeah. every city we were in. And I was like, but I've been here before. Yeah. And there weren't any, there were no circus people. It's yeah. just that like, yeah. once you're aware of something, you realize yeah. it's much bigger yeah. than you knew. Yeah. And so this is a, uh, I just didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know anything about this. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, it's so really like, interesting to learn from you. Yeah, and there's also like you're, you know, you're in a, a couple really important life cycle moments. Right, this moment. Yeah. What's happening for me? Well, do you, I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, should we take this off the air? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Is it really rough? You're through most of it. Oh, um, I wonder so what past, you could be talking about. But the past anyway. year and a half is. Um, I would have, if that was my chart, actually, I had a similar thing. And so I knew that I was going to have to set some really important boundaries and do a lot of hard work, both professionally and personally, but that it was a, a, a year and a half to two year process of growing up in a really uh, definitive way. It kind of like, it's the kind of period of time where it makes everything so real that you cannot not know it anymore. There's no way to deny the feelings and the reality of something. It, it shapes the things that you most need to contend with. And then the grappling of it is, is all personal and however you do it. But so you're saying I'm almost at the end of this, of this process feel much better. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me a date? <laughs> I can. You can give me a date? <laughs> we can talk dates, yeah. Okay, what's the date? When well, am I, it's, well, uh, when am I going to get all set? <laughs> Jordan, write this down. This is the date I'm all set. You're really like a couple months out. Really? Yeah. What, do you have an exact date? I can, yeah. I'll have to look something else up, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's like really, you know, what you went, that was harrowing. It's not, you don't. You're not like, oh, yay, that's going to happen. If you're an astrologer, you're like, oh, fuck, what is going to... But you got to go through it, and you're... <laughs> it's been a time of having to choose yourself. Yeah, that's right. Wholeheartedly. But you didn't need an astrologer, probably, to tell you that. 
Um, I am very excited <laughs> to find out this exact date. I can't wait to put it in my calendar. I can't wait to email you on that date. I'm serious. Cannot wait. Uh, yeah, the I'm la- not saying life will stop being life, but I'm saying that. Wait, this are you chunk saying? <laughs> I thought I thought we agreed you were going to be all that. I was going to be all set. This I, chunk you of agreed it to the phrasing all set. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, how is it that we that we are at fifty nine? Fifty nine. We really are. There we go. Um, because I would love to talk more about this actually, but it truly <laughs> now is that we finally one started hour. talking about astrology. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, friend. Yes. Uh, please, before I send you back into your life, I was wondering if you would like to shout out a queero person, place, or thing made you feel like you could be who you are today. In in the past or in the present? You can do whatever you want. Can I be super cheesy? I thought you were going to say in the past or can it be in the future? And I was like, holy motherfucker. <laughs> I saw your face. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about anyway <laughs> who brought her here yeah um so can i can be cheesy i uh, please give me that cheese my wife yeah great tell me sonia passy is uh she is an activist and a my business partner and um she just teaches me so much about integrity and being true to myself and also really in the most beautiful ways how to care for and create community. She's somebody who's like really knows how to remember people and be really thoughtful with them. And I get really despondent and can feel rejected and dejected really easily. And she's always like, be bigger than that. Just call them, invite them over. You know, she's really resilient in a way. Um, that helps helps me and heals me, heals a lot of those really kind of core uh, places. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And that, I think that's... And she does so much work and so much of it is behind the scenes. Like she works tirelessly. And I just think that women and femmes that work like she does, she rarely gets the accolades I think that she deserves. Hmm. I mean, she gets a lot of accolades, but she she does so much more than anybody ever sees. Well, that's awesome that you yeah. are remembering her here on the podcast today. Thank you. And um, thank you for being here. And as soon as I stop recording, I can't wait to hear the exact date that I'm going to be all set. All set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>